We're turning in our Bibles tonight to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. The title of this message is The Comforter. Isaiah chapter 40, reading at verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof, as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight by giving us an understanding of your word. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Isaiah is, is an amazing book. And there's so many things in it that it would be wonderful if we had the time and the patience to consider it. But one of the things that we learn in Isaiah chapter 9 is that um, the Lord Jesus Christ is a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about why the Lord would even put that in the scriptures? Well, the title of this message is The Comforter. And the thing that I've learned over the years is that when it comes to the problems of this world, most of the problems I've ever had are up here. It hadn't been physical suffering. We all get sick from time to time. <coughs> Excuse me, but that's not the primary concern of Scripture. The primary concern of Scripture is people who suffer right up here. And so it should not be a surprise to us that the wonderful counselor uh, is, uh, is inspiring Isaiah to say these things that we read here in this passage. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. 
Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Why does he say this? Why does he say, comfort ye, comfort ye? He says it twice. That's double. What is the Lord teaching us? Well, he's teaching us the all-sufficiency of this counselor. The capability of God to give us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that what we need? Folks, I stand up here and I look out here at this audience and so many of you, I haven't talked with you in a long time, up close and personal to know what you're dealing with, what you're going through. But I'll tell you something that I've learned that I think that is generally true and is not an assumption. I believe that most people in the world are miserable. Most people in the world are miserable. And we've returned um, presenting ourselves to the onlooking world uh, something that is really not true. Because we present ourselves to the world as, as people who are Christians. Uh, we've got it together. I mean, we don't want to appear to the world uh, to have psychological problems. We don't want to appear to the world as a professing Christian to be miserable because Christ is not miserable and we're supposed to have his life as our life. Is Christ miserable? Is he confused? Is he frustrated with life? Not in the slightest but we are. Why? It's because we're looking in the wrong place for comfort. That's the problem. He's the comforter. And it's all over the book. He's the comforter. And so, if we're looking for a solution, if, we, if we're miserable, if we're not happy, uh, certainly we must know the source to go to to find relief. And that's what this message is really designed to do. It's not a message from me. It's not my word. It's not my thought. It's the word of God. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. That her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is the all-sufficiency of the cross of Calvary in spite of the fact that we're sinners that deserve death. The all-sufficiency of this comforter. And so the, the, the mention of this twice, comfort ye, comfort ye, carries the idea of the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus to provide us what we need 
so that we do not go through this life struggling up here, struggling up here in our mind, in our mind. And so Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. He's the, he's the psychologist. He's the psychiatrist. He's the maker of our being and of our psychic. He is. And of course, the ultimate cure is given to us in the New Testament by Paul's letter to the Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Folks, if we had the mind of Christ, if we just had his mind, how do you do that? Well, you study this book and you believe it. If you do not believe it, if you do not practice it, then you're going to continue to be miserable and to have problems. And that's the message from heaven. There has to be conversion. And so this chapter is really about that very thing. So let's pay attention to it and notice it. Look at verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What does that mean? Why would he say that? Make straight a highway. Because... One of the things that causes misery in the world is double-mindedness. And you know what the path is like to a double-minded person? It's crooked. We're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We're pulled one way by the mind of Christ and another way by the old man, the old nature. And we're going this way and we're going that way. And our path is so crooked. The Lord is talking to us here about the need for conversion. We need a straight path. A straight path. It's so simple. I mean, how to get from here to where we want to go, which is soundness of mind, it's not crooked at all. It's not complicated at all. It's a straight path. And it's so simple. So this, this phrase here, makes straight in the desert, in the wilderness, in the desert where you live, where there's no fruitfulness. If you want to get to the land of Cana, go straight. Don't wander in the wilderness. Go straight to the land of Cana. Folks, the land of Cana is right there for the taking. All we have to do is believe the psychiatrist. Believe this counselor because he loves us. It's a wonderful thing to have a doctor that really cares about you, that knows you and really cares about you and loves you and wants you to feel better. And that's a description of Jesus Christ up one side and down the other. He loves us more than we could ever know. And that's the truth. And then he says in verse 4, For every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. 
and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Why does he say these things? Why does he say that every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight? As I was meditating on this, really, many years ago, and teaching the children here in chapel, I began to realize that this is God's way of teaching us about conversion. And how that he wants to change the world that we're living in so that it's not crooked. So that when we're down there in the valleys, uh, we don't stay down there. He is able to turn a valley into a mountain top. What this is, is God's way of talking about how our world and our life is going to totally change when we listen to what he has to say and believe it. Enter into it and practice it. We've got to do it. If we do not do it, then there is no cure. You've got to do it. You've got to believe it, and you've got to do it. And it's wonderful that Paul in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 13 said, It is him that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do we really believe that? I mean, we can read the Bible. We can quote the verses. But if we don't do it, if we don't practice it, do we really believe it? Not from God's perspective, we do not. And so, in comforting his people, there has to be a change. And we are the ones that need to change because he does not. In Malachi, it tells us, I am the Lord, I change not. Well, in our human nature, we change not either. Any more than the Ethiopian can change his skin or the leopard his spots. We cannot change our nature. But God can give us as a free gift a new nature. And he does. And this is the comfort. We have to receive the comforter. And so we'll get into that a little bit more. Well, enough of this. Let's... Uh, Let's turn to John chapter 14 because, listen, folks, this message tonight is, is not new. There's nothing in here that's new. But thinking about it, the way the Lord wants us to understand it may be new. So new that you never thought about it that way before. But in John chapter 14, the Lord knows the problem in the world, that most people are just absolutely miserable. And they are. And it very well may be the condition right here at Calvary Memorial Church. It may be the very reason we have a problem filling up these seats a lot of times in church services because people are struggling to be happy somewhere else, doing something else. Folks, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. People that are going to receive comfort 
from this wonderful counselor are going to be here. They're going to be here. And they're going to want to be here. It doesn't work if you don't want to be here. The people that are here tonight are people who wanted to be here. And I'm so thankful for that. It's an encouragement to me. And we need to encourage those that are not faithful. We need to love them and encourage them. Because the truth is, people that are not here, people that are not faithful, are miserable. <coughs> They're pretending not to be, but oh yes they are. Because you cannot know this comfort that God is speaking about right here when you're disobedient. You cannot. It's not possible. And so here in chapter 14 of John's Gospel, I love this chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because I am God. Well... Why would the Lord say this? Let not your heart be troubled. Listen, even his disciples were troubled. They were confused. A lot of things were not working out the way they had hoped. They were living in a miserable world and, and they themselves were dealing with personal problems, mostly unbelievers, mostly right here. Right up here, this is our problem. This up here. Evil thoughts. Adulteries. Fornications. Murders. Thefts. Wickedness. Evil eye. Deceitfulness. Lasciviousness. All of these things that are described. That's what we're dealing with. That's why we're miserable. People that are in that condition, in their natural state, need... A wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. Because you see, the problem is not out there. The problem is right here, and it's right here. That's the problem. And Jesus Christ is coming. He has come, and he sent us this love letter. A love letter of comfort. And so he goes on and he develops many many things here. We haven't got time to go over these, and you know these things, many of them, so well. He says in verse 15, if you'll just jump to that, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he, will, he shall give you another comforter. And he shall abide with you forever. He says another comforter. Well, why does he say another comforter? Because he's developing our understanding of the person of God, who is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus Christ is the comforter. He's the one that would be born, that would be called the wonderful counselor, but he's now talking about another person. And it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you another comforter. Another comforter. You can't see him like you can see me. But he's real. He's really there. And he has a ministry for you. And it's my ministry for you. It's a ministry of comfort. 
And he's coming with the same message, with the same purpose, because why? You're miserable. Miserable. Most people in this world are miserable. Matter of fact, everybody that's lost is miserable. And they might laugh a lot and party and appear to be on top of the world. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's a facade. They're on the stage of life as actors, and they've perfected the act. They're miserable. It's impossible to live in this world with a sound mind, power, and love, and soundness of mind without Christ. It's impossible. To be out of contact with this counselor is to be schizophrenic, which is the definition of uh, schizophrenia in psychology books is to be out of contact with reality. Well, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He's real. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to diligently seek him. Or you're not going to ever find comfort. You've got to diligently seek him. I beg the young people in chapel almost daily to buy a clock. And, and set it and get up early. Get up earlier than you usually do and meet the comforter. Spend time with him. Salvation is not a collective thing. It's a personal thing. And Jesus Christ died for us personally, and we need to show forth an understanding of this, that he loves me. He loves you personally. And so get up and discipline yourself. Develop this discipline in yourself to get up every day and meet this psychiatrist from heaven who knows us and loves us more than we could ever know and can provide the goods that we need, comfort. Even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Why does he say that? Because we need comfort concerning that that's going on in the world out there. But we also need comfort for the warfare that's going on in here and in here. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. Learn to pray that way. Learn to pray, Lord, please go with me today. And Lord, please be in me today. Because the problem is not just out there. The main problem is in here. It's in me. It's in my mind. It's in my heart. And accept your presence. Be in me. Accept you be my life then there's no comfort for me. And I'm going to live in my misery. Please don't let me live that way. We don't have to, you know. Psalm 
So this is the work of the comforter. But turn to um, let's, let's turn to chapter 16 because the Lord is explaining to us how to come out of this this state of misery we don't have to live this way Chapter 16 and verse 5, let's just begin there. But now I go my way to him that sent me, speaking of the Father. And none of you ask of me whether goest thou, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Sorrow hath filled your heart. These were the disciples, and look at the description. They were filled with sorrow. Are you filled with sorrow? Is there something going on in your life where your expectation is being disappointed and you feel full of sorrow? Well, God has designed to send us another counselor. And it's actually the very spirit of the counselor that we read about in Isaiah 9. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and they are one. The Father is one with the Son. The Son is one with the Spirit and with the Father. They're one. There's one person. And so we're talking about one God, one source. There's God. And he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now listen to me. Jesus Christ was the Comforter concerning the things that were going on out there. But you know the biggest problem is not out there. The disciples were disturbed because he didn't do something about the Romans. They were looking for a deliverer from without. And he was the comforter it appeared to be from without. But the Lord is teaching us here where the real problem is. And he's going to deal with that because he's the psychiatrist that really knows what we need. And he's going to send a comforter that's going to be in us in us because that's the problem folks it's the problem nevertheless I tell you the truth verse 7 it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if I depart I will send him unto you I'm going to send him to you and he's going to be in you and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. That's a problem. Why are people miserable? As I reflect back on my life, folks, I can tell you, 
these words are so living to me. Because I can look back on my life of sin and I've been one miserable human being in my day. The Lord sent me the comforter. Fifty years ago, He sent me the comforter. And it's real. It's the truth. He gives us His Spirit to dwell in us. And, And that experience of receiving Him is conversion. It's a radical change that takes place. One of the reasons I come to this church and I come to every meeting is because of this change and it's real. I don't come here because I want people to see me a certain way. I come here because I can't live without coming here. I can't can't manage life apart from this meeting place where Jesus Christ, the one who died for me on Calvary's cross, said, I'm going to meet with you. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet with you. It's an insult to the cross of Calvary and the living God, the comforter, to not be here and to be on time and to be excited about being here on time. Why? Not because of the people here, but because of your love for Christ. That's the reason for being here. In verse 8, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. That's what makes us miserable, is doing wrong. It leads to an unexpected end. Sin is so natural. It actually presents the illusion that we're going to be happy if we do what we want to do, which is sin. It's in our nature. And our nature is deceitful, and it's going to make us miserable because sin never results and brings what you thought it would. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Comforter has come to give us an expected end. An expected end. Living in sin will result in living the unexpected all the time. Do you realize how miserable a person must be that lives that way every day? Living in jeopardy of their design not working and not paying off. That's a miserable existence. And he's going to convict the world of righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Well, you see, we don't understand what is right You see, righteousness is just a big word for doing right. But sin is not doing right. Uh, Sin is trying to embrace a righteousness of our own without God. But there are none righteous. There are no good people. There are no righteous people. 
And so it, it's, uh, it's an illusion. It's, it's not real. And so the Comforter teaches us what true righteousness is. So that the use of the free will is to make a right choice. That's what righteousness is. It's making right choices rather than wrong choices. It's so simple. This is a counselor saying this. The creator God who loves us and sees our misery and he's telling us, look, the reason you're miserable is because you're making one wrong decision right after another. And you got to stop it. How can you ever be happy when you make one wrong decision right after another that leads to one unexpected end to another? If you want an expected end where you have power and love and a sound mind, you got to appreciate this comforter. And then it tells us in verse 8, and of judgment. And isn't that really the problem? Isn't that the reason that we have so much misery in our life is poor judgment? The work of the comforter is to enable us through this method of wisdom, because it takes wisdom to make a right choice. But you have to judge to do that. You have to think about what you're fixing to do. Does it line up with the Word of God? That's what judgment is. Because God's judgment is against all unrighteousness and sinfulness of men. It's against it. And it breaks our union with God and plunges us right back into the world that He saved us, came to save us from the world. And so He gives us judgment. And so judgment has vision. It enables you to see the future. And the only one that can see the future is God. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is the power to see the end of a choice. The problem with the world today, the problem with so many young people is they're making decisions without this power to see the end of the choice and where it's going to eventually lead. You can plug this kind of thinking into so many decisions that we might be faced with. I could give hundreds of examples, but we don't have the time to go into that kind of detail. But verse 9 says, of sin because they believe not on me. That's what sin is. That's why we have mental problems. Sin. The root of it is sin. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. Listen, if anybody says... Well, I know the Bible is true. I know that everything that you're saying, Mr. Creature, is right out of the Bible and so forth, but I, I'm still dealing with this every day. I, it seems like I'm in a ditch and I can't get out. Why? Unbelief. 
He tells us right here. Of sin because they believed not on me. It's just that simple. And we can't, we can't excuse ourselves and, and come up with some rationalization that leaves us in the ditch. That's a, a mechanism of the old man. Unbelief. He says of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Well, what does that mean? I'm going somewhere. And Jesus Christ is saying, I know exactly where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going to the Father. And the only way you can come to the Father is by me. You have to believe me. To have an expected end. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you really want to be with me or do you want to be down here in this world? Struggling on your own for your own self-made paradise by works. Is that what you want? Well, if that's what you want, I can't help you. I cannot provide you comfort. But I'm teaching you about righteousness. Because that's what you have to have to go to heaven. You have to be righteous. You have to be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in my sight. Now, how are you going to get there? Well, isn't it a wonderful thing? It's the gift of God. It's the gift of His Spirit. That's not complicated. The gift of His Spirit. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. It's already settled. The future of an unbeliever is already settled. We've judged ourselves already. And God has given us the means of looking into the future and seeing exactly what the future wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if the true future that's being written into books in heaven because there's a bunch of books being written about what we choose to do every day and the books are going to be open one of these days wouldn't it be wonderful if it was, if it was being written of every person that's in this room that we turn away from sin that we started choosing right and that we had the ability to now judge the future, to see the consequences of every choice in advance. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Why? There would be no reason to be miserable in this world anymore. Well, there's so many things I want to talk about. Let's, let's leave that for now. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 because time flies up here. Uh, go to Philippians chapter 4. This is such a familiar passage, but it's been such a blessing to me. Because, folks, what I'm 
speaking about tonight are things that I have learned in my own struggles in life. And uh, I'm not saying that I've apprehended what I'm teaching. You know, teaching is really so easy. Preaching, teaching the Bible is so easy. The issue is, are we living it? Are we living it? It's very possible to know the Bible up one side and down the other and to be able to teach it and still be miserable. That ought not to be. Absolutely. And so I want us to think about these things because this is the counselor teaching us how to be happy. Happy. I remember Pastor Kelly saying one time that the ultimate goal of every parent for their children is that they be happy. That they be happy. The ultimate goal to be happy. That's not possible without the comforter. That's an impossibility. And so many parents try to give their children the world. They try to buy them happiness, to give them happiness. You can't give people happiness. Only God can give people happiness that's real. And the Apostle Paul is a classic example of happiness. And I would like for you to think about these words in connection with 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul describes what he was dealing with without that was going on in the world. You remember how he was beaten, he was stoned, he suffered shipwreck, he was in perils of the water. Oh, he goes on and on with the things that he suffered. That same man wrote this to the Philippians. Don't forget that. You think you've got problems? You think we've got an excuse because of things that are going on out here that are somewhat beyond our control? That we've got a, an excuse, a reason to be miserable? You can forget it. That's a lie. That's living a lie. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He received the Comforter. He had Him. And as a result, he could say these things in truth to the Philippians who were obviously suffering from anxiety. And that's what it means in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And the Lord, uh, the Lord is at hand. And then he says in verse 6, which means anxiety, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. There's a lot of people miserable. Maybe somebody here tonight miserable because of the cares of this world. 
You're concerned about finances. You're concerned about your family relationship. <coughs> concerned about health problems. There's so many things that can preoccupy our mind and captivate our minds and bring us into bondage. Bondage. We don't have to live that way. Paul had every reason to pout, to go off and feel sorry for himself, but he didn't. You know why? He had Christ as his life. Listen to me, folks. If there's anything that you take away from this message tonight, you take away this. It is a false profession to claim to be a Christian and go out here and be miserable. It's a false profession of who you claim is your life because he's not miserable at all. Not in the slightest. He's happy. You're talking about love, power, and love, and soundness of mind. That's Jesus Christ. And he gives us himself so that we can have that. And if we do not have that, it's a false profession of the life of Christ that we claim that we have. It's wrong to be miserable every day. It's wrong. It's a sin. And it's a wrong message to the world. It's wrong. We ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth, regardless of what's happening. Regardless of sickness. Regardless of loss. Regardless of persecution. Regardless of trouble in the home. God has given us a means of overcoming everything. By the power of his spirit, which he has given us. And that's why Paul could write these things. Now let's pay attention and listen to this. Be careful for nothing. I'm going to tell you something. It's true. Whether anybody believes it or not, my wife will tell you it's true. I say it all the time. I'm not worried about anything. You believe I do? You're wrong. I don't. I don't worry about anything. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe this right here. I sure do. I'm not saying this to appear to be spiritual. I have the same struggles you do every day. And there are moments in my life where for just a few moments I get concerned, I get troubled, but it doesn't take me long, and I'll tell you why. Every day of my life so help me, I get up every day, and I study this book. I meet with Jesus Christ every day without fail. And I've done it for 50 years. And that's the truth, whether anybody believes it or not. I don't say that to be spiritual. I say it because it's the truth. By the mercy and grace of God, it's the truth. It's true. And he says, be careful for nothing. And so I believe that's what we ought to do. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto, our, unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, 
shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Folks, the biggest problem is not out there. The biggest problem is in here. It's in here. It's how we think. Your worldview and how you think determines behavior. If you're thinking wrong thoughts, your behavior is going to be wrong. If you're thinking right thoughts, if you're thinking God's thoughts after Him, it's going to be good every time. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now listen to the ninth verse because it's critical. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Draw a circle around do. One of the most important words in the verse. And draw a circle around learned because getting out of the ditch of misery is something you learn. Well, how do you learn it? By studying this book. But it's not going to do any good to study it if you do not believe it. And if you believe it, why are we not doing it? We have to do it. We have to do it. But we have to learn it, then we have to receive it. The things which ye have both learned and received and heard <coughs> and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. The Apostle Paul was God's showcase example to the world of misery, miserable people of a normal human being. Normal, I love those messages by Pastor Garrison where he's explaining how we're no different than any of these other great personalities in the Bible, whether it's the Apostle Paul or Elijah. They're all men of like passions as we are. But they're a pattern, as he explained so, so richly. He explained. Um, so that we can be delivered from this world of misery. We can, we can experience the same thing these great men did. We can experience what Paul is talking about because he's a pattern to follow. It's so important to understand that. Verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now, now pay attention to this. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. See that word? Draw a circle around it. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You need to draw a circle around the word content because you see, 
You can't add anything to contentment. You can't add anything. When a person sits down at the table, like we'll do at Thanksgiving, and we feel ourselves full, and somebody comes along like Vic Allen and says, Now, did you save room for the apple pie or the blueberry pie? And you just shake your head and you say, I can't eat anymore. Oh, I wish I could, but I'm I'm full. That's just another way of saying I'm content. I can't add anything else to it to make me happier, to make me more satisfied. This is what Paul is talking about. He had learned how to be totally satisfied. Have we? Have we learned that? He says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says it. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Those are marvelous words of counsel from the psychiatrist who happens to be our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the psychologist, the comforter, the comforter. I want to close with just these little thoughts because it's so important. You know, a lot of people that are miserable will say it. I don't know what's wrong. Um, I'm dealing with all these problems. And they get up every day and they repeat it over and over again. Now listen to me. This is so important. I learned when I was studying psychology at the university through an example given by Dr. Clinton Pruitt, the chairman of the Department of Psychology. He was talking about a man who was having all kinds of psychological problems. And they discovered that one of the reasons he was is because he was... He was locked into this state of mind where he believed that everything that he was saying about himself was true. And he'd say it over and over and over again. Now listen to me. If you say something over and over again long enough, it becomes true. Did you know that? Did you know that you can get up in the morning and put your feet on the floor and sit there on the side of the bed and you can use your free will to change that? You can. Well, how are you going to change it? What are you going to start doing that's going to change everything? Well, it's right here. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, of good report. 
if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and do it over and over and over again. Every day get up and say, I worry about nothing. It works. It's a decision. You have to get up with a determination that you're going to live this promise from God. And you say it over and over and over again. I don't have any problems. God has given me not a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I'm so happy. I'm happy. You don't have to get up and say, I'm miserable. I've got the same problem I had yesterday, and I'll probably have it tomorrow. Listen, that's living a lie. And it's wrong and it's sinful. It's wrong. We can have the mind of Christ. We can study the Bible and and we can learn. We can be instructed. As Paul said, I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. I am instructed. Where? By studying the Bible and believing every word of it. If you repeat over and over and over again, I'm so miserable, I'm so pitiful, I've got all these problems, it'll become true in your head and you'll stay in the ditch. God came to convert us and give us his mind that doesn't suffer any of these things. Do we believe that? You see, being happy is as simple as a choice. It's the free will. What are you doing with your free will? Did you know that you're actually free to be happy every day? Every day. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. And I pray that you would help us in this church to enter into these things, to embrace these things, and to love you and not insult you.